All right, so uh, we're going to do something a little different. We only have done this a few times. Um, today, we're going to have uh, Jeremy Skolzinski come forward and share what some of us know in life as a testimony. Uh, for those of you who may not know such wording, a story uh, about his experience in life in regards to his faith and his want with Jesus. I'm going to have, go ahead and have you come up. Get beside me. Um, so Jeremy uh, and his family came to Anthem Church about two years ago now, uh, kind of randomly. I'm not even sure how you guys got here. And uh, I remember that they were here about a month or so or two, and that's when we found out that we had to buy the building. And I just remember him telling me, it's like, great, my, 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 wife, my wife brought us to a church that's about to fold. And uh, I said, well, yeah, just watch what's about to happen. And uh, anyway, uh, Jeremy, uh, just to let you know, if, if you know him, uh, slightly on the introverted side? Yeah. Slightly on the introverted side of slightly. the equation, just, just slightly. So out of all the people that I know, he may be the most introverted person that I know. Quiet, uh, reserved, uh, quiet and reserved, and just doesn't uh, really do stuff like this. And uh, I've known him for a while now, and I, I think it was back in the fall. Uh, we were just talking one day, and he was sharing. I was like, you've got to share this story with other people. It's one thing to have a pastor who is paid to talk about Jesus and the faith. It's quite another to have one of you, a layperson, up here saying, you know what, this is real. Uh, we've been in this series, series called Absurd, that the Christianity, the way it's supposed to be lived, is in fact absurd. And uh, we've gone through these stories of how that's absurd, right? Well, of course, that's a Bible story. But what if it's real life? What if it's someone that's real in the world today? So I think that Jeremy is actually an example of absurd faith, absurd faithfulness, absurd because it's not normal. Like we, we would run typically from stuff if, when it presents itself. And, and Jeremy has shown what it means to be steadfast and to persevere through, uh, through some very difficult challenges. So... I'm going to pray for uh, Jeremy now um, and for his just confidence and joy up here. You're, you're doing good, man. I was expecting more, more like wigging out right now, but you're, it, 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 you're good. It's you're coming. Good. It's coming. <laughs> All right. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much again for this morning. I thank you uh, most of all for the gift of your son, Jesus, uh, whom we just sang about. Um, that wonderful gift upon the cross where our guilt and our shame was placed on him and, uh, and he owned it and killed it and buried it, Lord. And because of that, uh, we can have high, uh, life and hope and faith and joy and peace in this world. Um, and I thank you for the story we're about to hear, which is just a, a story of the gospel in real time in the life of a real person Lord, it's, it's a, a story that's absurd for those who do not know Christ or do not know just how good you are. So, Lord, I, I pray for him, for his speaking and his clarity and his boldness right now, and that we would hear it and that we would receive it and that, Lord, that we would uh, be blessed by it. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Good morning, Anthem. Just got real quick. I'm going to sit down. All right, God is good. All the time? All right, thank you. That makes me feel better. 
I'm giving my testimony like Pastor said. He asked a few things of me, uh, go 30 minutes, so we were going to attempt to do that. He gave me a list of a few words I should not say <laughs> up here in general. Uh, and I'm supposed to make eye contact, so I'm going to make eye contact. Uh, first thing I find, I'm going to tell you why I'm up here, and I find this to be important. Uh, Pastor asked, I have been convinced that God is doing something in this church, and he wants to do something in this community. And I am convinced that Pastor has been put in a position of authority over this church, and he's our leader. And when someone in a position of authority over you asks you to do something, you can do it, you do it. That is being obedient. Second, for some reason, God has been putting that word obedient on my heart lately. I just wanted to associate it with my name more, so I'm doing something I don't necessarily want to do, but I'm up here. Uh, I also, as a Christian, I absolutely want to be able to give my faith, my testimony, uh, the hope I have in Christ to be able to stand up and give it at any time, any time I'm asked, whether I be in front of my church whether it would be at a sporting event and a spotlight comes on and they stand up and give your account of God's goodness. I want to be able to stand up and do that at any time because God has been faithful to me. And last, I love testimonies. Like Pastor said, there's one thing he comes up and preaches. He teaches us truths. That's awesome. But testimonies are where like the boots hit the ground, where the rubber meets the road, where it becomes real. I love that. And I feel if you're going to want to hear people's testimonies, you have to be willing to give your testimony. So that is why I'm up here. A few things about me, because I think also it's good to get to know somebody, a member here. Uh, there's my beautiful wife, Julie Skolzinski. I love her. Uh, I'm a father of five children. My oldest is my daughter, Tyler. Then it goes Joshua, Zachary, Joseph, and David. These are my blessings on this planet. God has blessed me immensely with them. Uh, like Pastor said, I'm an introvert. I'm a simple man. I, uh, to me, a good day is a bucket, a five-gallon bucket of fishing pole and some minnows in a pond. Uh, I like throwing meat on a grill. Uh, if I listed the how I would like my life ordered, I would start with I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, next, I would say I want to be a godly husband that loves his wife like Christ loved the church. After that, I would say I want to be a, a godly father that, that gives his kids a good foundation. And then after that, I'd say I want to be a good firefighter. Uh, I'm a member of the Raleigh Fire Department. I love my job. It fits me very well. People dial 911, they're having a bad day, whether their house is on fire or they have an injury or something. And I get to hop on a fire truck and race to them, lights and siren, and I get to mitigate the situation, and I get to just help, and it fits the Christian creed. So that's how I'd like to list the things. But I want to be honest that I, I don't always keep it in that order, so I want to be honest and just present who I am. Uh, many times I'm selfish and I don't put God first. Many times I've been short with my wife or selfish with my wife or impatient with my wife. The same would go with my children. Many times I put myself before them. Many times I've been impatient. And if you're around me enough, you'll see, hey, this guy's got some pride. This guy's got some insecurities. This guy, he's got some issues. But I can say without a doubt, I am on the road. I don't think that.
that's supposed to happen. <laughs> All right, man. But I can say without a doubt that I am on the road to being more Christ-like, and I think that is what the Christian part of the Christian walk is: reflecting Jesus more, growing in Him. And I can I can say honestly, I am on that path. Where I am on that path can be debated. Uh, I, th- I think that it, that kind of just gives you a little bit about me. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my upbringing. I uh, am originally from the Chicagoland area. Growing up in the Chicagoland area, you learn some basic truths. Here's a few of them. The first truth, the best sports dynasty ever to walk the face of the earth is the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> Second truth. The best football team to ever step on a field is the 1985 Super Bowl champion Chicago Bears. Third truth, Walter Payton is the greatest running back to ever carry a football. These truths are drilled into you growing up. Uh, I am blessed to have, I grew up with godly parents, uh, Ronald Skolzinski and Carolyn Skolzinski. I come from a family of six. I had a brother that died before I was born. I was the youngest. I, I was the, the oops child, late. I was unsuspecting, you know, I was not, they were not uh, expecting me to pop into the picture, but I did, so I was born. My parents loved the Lord. Growing up, they were the type of parents that would tell everyone about Jesus. Uh, this is good if your other friends have parents that love Jesus too. <laughs> but I did not, so this was a source of uh, ridicule for me that my parents talked about Jesus, and I went to church. I did not like going to church. I did not like the Christianity of my parents. Uh, I just thought it was a crutch. I thought people, not knowing at the time that I was a crippled in need of a crutch, but I thought it was a crutch. Growing up, uh, I wouldn't say we were poor, but money was tight. I remember many times seeing my mom crying about the bills and worrying, and God was always faithful. God always provided, and I wasn't necessarily until later that I have the wisdom to see that. My father taught me, you get up early, you go to work, you show up to work early, you try to do a good job. If they offer overtime, you take it. He taught me, love your wife, love your kids, put them first. I, I remember sitting in uh, Burger King outside of the church we went to multiple times where I'd be the only one eating. I never thought nothing about it, but just realized that my father only had a few dollars and they fed me and not themselves. And they, that was just a good example like, of what I would like to be. So many times I could open the fridge and not see much food, so I know what it's like to be uh, in somewhat in want. I'm sure people have had it rougher. But God was always faithful. My parents always prayed for me. I can say my parents honestly never put baggage on me, so I'm not like walking around with all these things my parents did to me. They've encouraged me. They built me up. They just, they were godly, and, and they were flawed. And many times my father had to ask forgiveness for something he did. But my mom taught me unconditional love, and my father set a good example for how to be a godly man. So I went to middle school. As you know, I'm an introvert. Uh, and you're looking at it like, oh, he's very charming and good looking. Well, I grew in. I, I grew into that. I, I did not have that in middle school and high school, so I did not fit in. So, so. 
So I, I not fitting in, not, letting crowd, not, not liking crowds of people. Uh, I fit in with the group that accepts everyone as long as you do what they do, and that is the group that parties and does drugs. So in high school, I began doing drugs. I wasted many years being foolish and doing drugs and partying. And, and God protected me many times. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have been driving. or I should, There's just many things that God carried me through, and I always feel like it was a prayer of my parents that really helped me only go so far. God only allowed me to be so much of an idiot, and that's awesome. So I go to college. I, be honest, I just went to college because I was told that's what you do, and I knew that there were ladies there, and there was cheap beer, and that, that was why I went to college, and that's, I'd had no grand plan. So I go to college. College is split into two, uh, two time periods. Idiot drunk, follower of Jesus. And I'll tell you how I got saved, how God so amazingly rescued me from myself. Uh, I had a friend that I grew up with that literally, maybe a few years back, we were actually at a Grateful Dead show together, being idiots. And I met him, and he got saved. And he loved the Lord, man. And it blew my mind, like, what in the world? I was like, okay, whatever, and I went on. And then there was a two-week period where I must have had four or five people come up to me and say, do you know Jesus? Do you, do you know Christ, man? I, and I, how odd is that? I never had that. And I remember I finally said, okay, I'll come to the fellowship he went to. It was a Friday night. I went there. I sat in the back where introverts sit. And I was amazed how much fun these people were having, praising God. It blew my mind. Man, I was like, how are they doing this? Because I honestly hadn't had fun without alcohol for I don't know, five, six years. So I was amazed. And then God started pulling the scales off my eyes, man. I realized, I looked at the world, and they're like, something's wrong here. This ain't, what's the point? What are we doing here? And the first truth that I feel like God put on me was, mankind is not good and sometimes does bad stuff. Mankind is decrepit and accidentally does good things once in a while. And I, I, I blew my mind like, oh, wow we're all in trouble. Like, not just the people I deem bad or the people you deem bad, but we're all in trouble. Then I had very little problem seeing myself as sinful. When I looked at myself, that was easy. I'd, I'd seen my sins. I'd seen what I had done to God. I'd seen where I had been unfaithful to God. I, and then I came, in the pers- I came into contact with Jesus Christ. And I started reading his claims in the New Testament, the only way, you know, perfect, Son of God, but deity, and, and the, the way the Trinity worked together, and it, it still blows my mind. But man, these claims were bold, man. He said, follow me. And the thing that I've always loved with Jesus is that any, to me, intelligent person that comes in contact with Jesus makes one or two decisions, or you're just not paying attention to what he's saying. You either mock him and spit on him, and he's a fool and not worthy of anything, or he's worthy of everything. He is worthy of all obedience. He is worthy of bowing to. He's your king. He's your redeemer. He's your savior. Well, I chose that because I, I just recognized I needed to be saved from my sins, and I, I couldn't be good enough. I didn't like the thought of even trying to be good enough. I didn't want to do that. So I become a Christian. Uh, I fell in love with the Bible. I had no idea how reliable it was. I had no idea how trustworthy. I had no idea that my foolish just, oh, it's filled with contradictions, which is uneducated. 
I had no idea how the message could be accepted by a child who reads it, but yet the greatest minds of our time can never truly understand or can plumb the, the depths of the book. I remember loving the fact that reading C.S. Lewis and saying, oh, there's intellectual people, man, that are, are, are in the, on this boat. So that was when God saved me, and I'm in college. And I started attending this fellowship, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. I meet a girl named Emily. Make a long, long story short, uh, we get married. She is in the ROTC program. She is moving to Fort Bragg. That's how I came from the Chicagoland area to Fayetteville. Uh, not too long down the road, we have our first child, Tyler. I'm working a job, and she's obviously doing the military. And I realized, and we realized that once we pay daycare and everything and the money I'm making, we're not making a lot of money. We don't need it. And God puts on my heart, stay at home with your kids. I don't want to stay at home with the kids. That's not me. I don't want to do that. But God said, put your family first. Stay at home with your kid. So I become a stay-at-home dad. We have another child. So I'm a stay-at-home dad for approximately three years. This was the toughest thing I've ever done. I did not, I'm going to be honest. I did not like it. I love my kids. But it was it just the job itself was very tough, and I was not meant to be doing it. But God was preparing me for something that was going to occur in my life. It's what I believe. So this is where I just give a shout-out to moms. Thank you. I love moms. I've done it a little bit, kind of. I didn't birth a baby. That's probably tough. Uh, <laughs> so I have a sec. I have my son, so I have two children. I'm a stay-at-home dad. Then I get uh, the job at Raleigh, so I'm a Raleigh firefighter. Uh, you know, time goes. Some time goes by, and uh, do I have a quote? Can we get my quote up there? I picked this quote for two reasons. <laughs> One, I think it's a very simple truth. Well, three reasons. I think Mike Tyson is a great theologian. <laughs> and fourth, I just figured I will be the only person that has ever done a Mike Tyson quote in church. So... But if you read it, this is my punch in the face. Uh, start off by, it is 5.30 in the morning. I am asleep at the fire station, and I get a text. Before I tell you the text, you have to know my situation. I am married. I have a 7-year-old daughter, 6-year-old son, and I have a few week, uh, couple week newborn. So I get this text, and hear this part it says it's a guy that I know and it says my wife and your wife are having an affair and I think they're going to run away that moment there was weight put on me spiritual weight that I've never experienced in my life and it did not come off me for many many months so my wife and your wife are having an affair and I don't and I think they're going to run away. I immediately get up. I run out. I let my captain know. I don't even know if I'm coming back. I just got some bad news. I didn't tell him what. 
I don't know if I'm even coming back to work. I race home, freaking out. I'm going to lose my wife. I'm going to lose my marriage. I don't know if I'm going to lose my children. I'm going to lose the job that I absolutely love. I don't even know if I could stay in, stay in this state. I don't, know, I, do, I don't know nothing. I go home, I find out that there, uh, there's truth in it. Not necessarily that she's going to run away with the kids, but there's truth in the affair. So that's my punch in the face. All my plans uh, went to the wayside. I believe that day I gave her a piece of my mind. I told her how she was wrong. I gave her my righteous judgment, which in itself was wrong. Her name is Emily. Emily went to went home for a few days. And this is probably the first time that I took a step of obedience in this situation, which took absurd faith. So she goes home for a few days to see family, and I get my line of attack ready. I have my ultimatums in place. I have my righteous judgment of why she's wrong. I've done nothing. And a few hours before she's coming back, I find a ministry that exists in Raleigh of rebellious Christians that say you do not have to bow to homosexuality if you do not want to, that Jesus is, more, Jesus is sufficient. And I talked to a lady named Carol Moore. She shares her testimony to me, and she tells me a few basic things that were exactly opposite of what I wanted to do. She says, don't give any ultimatums, which really disappointed me because I had some good ones. <laughs> she says... Don't attack her. Listen to her. Let her know that you love her. And just hear her. This was the exact opposite of what I planned on doing, which I've come to learn that just it's usually a confirmation that it's God because it is not what I wanted to do. It is, it, it is not what was deserving of what happened. And I took a step of obedience and I trusted it because I knew this is, this is too crazy to be my idea. She came home, I, I did those things, it blew her mind because she came home ready to fight. One thing I forgot to tell you is before she left, the next morning after I found the information, I woke up, I was listening to some music on my headphones, I was numb. The spiritual weight was heavy on me, I was numb and God gave me three promises. And it's the only time I can honestly say that I felt God gave me promises, like almost verbal. He said, I will protect you, I will protect your children, and I'll provide you a pretty wife. And I giggled at the pretty wife part. So I don't know what that means. I, I, I mean, I know he's going to protect me. I, am I going to be with, you know, this person? Or I don't know. But I wrote it down. And anyone that knows me, if I write something down, that's rare. So... It was, it, I meant something to me. I put it in my wallet and I held on to it. So over the next months, I was under the craziest spiritual attacks I've ever been part of. I, I don't understand the spiritual world. I don't, I just know when you're under attack, you know it. Something was different. Something was more powerful. Something was out of my hands. I would go run at Raven Rock to relieve stress. And I remember I would cry out to God I was running. And, I mean, anyone there had to think I was crazy. But when you have nothing to lose, you're crazy. And I remember this is the only first time in my life, man, I remember just bawling and bawling. 
And saying to God, you can have my wife, my children, all these things, if they're all taken from me, I just need you, Jesus. You can't leave me now. Like, I need you. Dang, allergies acting up. I just need you, Jesus. And it was this moment of just seeing that these things that we hold to so tight, man, are just nothing in comparison. God carried me minute by minute, day by day. I didn't know how I can go forward. He surrounded me with godly counsel, my father, my brother, my mother. I had a friend at work. I had a pastor, Pastor Ken in Lillington. I, I had godly counsel, man. And time after time, I would tell him what's going on and they would tell me to do the opposite of what I planned on doing. And that was the absurd faith of trusting someone, trusting God. It didn't feel good to do it the way I wanted to, the way he told me to do it. It would have felt way better to do it the way I wanted to do it in the moment. So I fight for my marriage. Uh, it, it is a, a failing fight. I'm under extreme spiritual attack. I literally walk around my property calling out to God. My neighbors had to think I was crazy. I just, just calling out for help and protection. Uh, as I got close to my divorce, well, we get separated. So I'm separated. Now let me tell you what I have. I have a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, and an infant. That's what I have when I get separated. And God tells me, take them every day you can. Well, I'm a firefighter. I work 10 days a month, 24-hour shifts. That leaves 20 days. I am not good at taking care of kids. I can keep them alive. I can clean them. <laughs> but I'm not good at it. That's not my strength. You know, my strength is sarcastic charm. <laughs> he opens the door where I take my kids every day I get off work. It was the toughest thing I've ever done. I did not want to do it. I felt like I got shafted in the situation. But many times I, I had enough energy to clean them, cook for them, do some homework, clean their clothes, put them to bed. No fun, I was not a fun dad. I remember closing the door and saying, and crying again, and saying, God, how am I gonna do this? What if I have to do this for years? How am I going to do this? And I think some of you know, man, when you say that, God has come, you're not going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm your strength. I'm your refuge. I'm your provider. I'm your king. Okay, okay God. You know? So, go through the separation. She continues on in her relationship with this girl the whole time. She never cut it off. She, I watch her choose homosexuality over God. She trusts that over God's provision. And I'm getting near the divorce. And Pastor Ken asked me one day, what would you do, what are you going to do if she changes her mind and she decides to work on it? And I answered it fast. I said, what choice do I have? God says, I got to forgive her and, and take her, right? And he said, yeah. I did not want to do that. But I also I hate divorce. But with God's strength, I would have done it. 
because I know he would have turned it for good somehow because that's what our God does, man. And he's done it so much. He's been so faithful. Like, what could you possibly turn? How could you turn this for good if she stays or decides to stay? Well, she doesn't. She chooses uh, what I believe was the wrong thing for, at the time, my family, the wrong thing as a Christian. So now I am divorced. I have the stigma of divorce. I hate divorce. I believe divorce is a plague on our nation, on our community, and it's embarrassing that it exists in our church. But now I am divorced. So, I'm divorced and I'm sitting there and I, I remember calling her before I was going to sign the paperwork and I just said, we should not do this. This is not God's design. This is not what God, this is not going to bring any glory to our God. So I give you one last chance. I, I will not go sign this paperwork that needs to be signed and do what I need to do. She says, I, I want you to do it. All right. So I'm divorced. There was a spiritual severing that I, as soon as I signed, I mean, as soon as I signed the paperwork, like, I just was cut from her, like, we were, and I don't know, I, 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 I just didn't feel connected to her ever again. So, now I'm a single dad. Uh, like I told you, that was very tough. I'm a single dad, and I uh, have gone through the worst, thing, worst situation of my life, and God had proved faithful. And I decide, and maybe this is wrong, I don't know, but I decide, hey, I like women, and I'm single, so I'm going to go out and meet a girl, because, heck, I didn't do nothing wrong. Like, I want... <laughs> but I don't know if that's the right attitude necessarily, but it paid off. So I get on Christian Mingle, and I present myself. Here I am. I'm a man that wants to grow closer to Christ. I have three children. If you are at all interested in hanging with me, you know that I want my kids all the time. I'm still taking them 20 days a month. I'm spent. And then God brings Julie to me, my wife. She is passionate, beautiful, energetic, spicy, hardworking, a work in progress like me. And she falls in love with my kids. And she hangs with my kids. And she likes my story. And time goes by and I ask her to marry me. Uh, we get married. We never, I mean, she jumped right into stepmom, which is one of the toughest things on the face of the earth is being a stepmom. She jumps into it. We probably jump into it without even researching it enough or whatever. But we jump into it. She loves the kids like her own, which as a, I can't put in the words how much that means to me. Uh, God blesses us with two more kids. So I have a huge family. And I always felt like it was because I took the absurd, I used absurd faith and steps of obedience that God rewarded me with 
a wife and, and two more children. And I always remember the promises. I'll protect you, I'll protect your kids, and I'll provide you a pretty wife. There's my pretty wife. If you know my kids, they're great. They have their flaws, but they're great, and they have been protected, and God's definitely protected me. So that's just one story. I could tell you stories of God's faithfulness. I could tell you a thousand stories of his faithfulness to me, recent ones, old ones. But that was one that was the punch in the face that was far beyond my ability to handle. So I stand here giving a testimony of God's goodness. I stand here giving a testimony of God's faithfulness. God has been more than, more than enough to me and has carried me through the darkest times, has been my redeemer, my fortress, my king, my friend. And I just wanted to share that and I wanted to be obedient. So I came up here and said it. I went a little under my time. Do we want to wait a minute, Pastor? Or should we just... <laughs> I did my part. Thank you. So, First Peter, chapter one, verses six through seven says, "In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ." What that verse teaches us there is that there's something unique about a test that not only works to our good, but works for the glory of God. And so here we hear Jeremy share a story that is not easy for someone to share. I was married, and it turns out that my wife, while we were married, chooses a lesbian lifestyle. And I think you've joked before, you know, if we ask, what's it like being married to someone who's a lesbian? And I think you're, you come back and say, man, I kept her straight for 10 years. Um, that was my joke. That was one of my jokes. That's one of your, but you didn't use it, so I thought I would use I it. I didn't think you'd let me use it. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, what you just heard is what it's like to get squeezed and to go through a fire and to go through something that many of us have not gone through, many of us have not been tested to that degree, and to see someone go through it and emerge on the other side better, stronger, to have endured through that kind of testing. So folks, this is real. Like, there's a reason why we gather on Sunday mornings. There's a reason why we crack open the Bible. There's a reason why we preach. There's a reason why we sing. There's a reason why we do Bible study. It's because it's real. Like, we're not playing church. This isn't churchianity where we just kind of play at this stuff. I guess I just go on Sunday morning and I do this. No, this is real. This is genuine heart issues and mind issues. We're talking about eternal issues. We're talking about our soul and that there is a very real God who truly loves us and desires our good. And he invites us. He invites us to know him. And yet that life comes with it, comes, 
with many trials and testing. And Jeremy stands before us as someone that can endure it. And there is a hope, there's a greater hope there for all of us. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the praise team to lead us in a song. And um, yeah, let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you. Um, we thank you for this story, Lord. I thank you for the tears. And I thank you for the brokenness, Lord, how you have redeemed the situation, how you've protected Jeremy and those kids, and how you have blessed him, Lord. And I, I love the story of obedience and faithfulness to you when it did not make sense, when it was completely absurd to do so, Lord. But here's an example, a real-life true example of what it means to be faithful to you who is faithful to us. Lord, I pray for Jeremy. I pray for Julie and for all of their kids, Lord, that you would continue to grow them individually and together, that you would protect and provide for the family, Lord, and that we all, whenever we're tested, that we would not get down and out, Lord, or that it would not destroy us, but to know that you are there, that you are the lifter of our head, and that your light and your face and your glory can radiate and shine on us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.